0: You're listening to Rosie on the House. I got
1: a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell.
2: It's the first Saturday of the month, so we're talking Farm Fresh, and June is National Dairy Month, so we've brought in Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau to talk about the uh, dairy's portion of Arizona's agricultural wheel, which represents about $23 billion to the state, and dairy is hand-in-hand with beef, Uh, at the top of the wheel consistently.
3: Yes. And right now, uh, dairy happens to be at the top. I had it wrong there a while ago. That rotates. And, of course, Kevin looks at me and says, I can hardly believe that because our milk prices are so low for the dairy farmer. But dairy right now holds it, according to the USDA or the United States Department of Ag, the top leaderboard for our ag commodities here in the state of Arizona.
2: Which blows my mind. When you get to the end of this hour... And really process the amount of effort it goes into a four-gallon jug of milk. It should be like $12. I'm sure Kevin Dancison agrees.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't need to be that high, but... We always have something to complain about, I guess.
2: <laughs> we have Kevin Dancise of Dancise and Dairy. If you've not seen the wonderful glass milk bottles that are back in the shelves, uh, that's you have his family, Dairy, to thank for that. I've got so many questions, but let's just start with that. I, was, I don't know what it was, but the first time I saw milk back in a, a glass jar, I'm
0: like— why? Why did that ever go away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. We wanted we we wanted to bring it back to Arizona. Had it been here for twenty or thirty years, and uh, it's catched on, caught on pretty good. It has. Now, where do you get uh, where do you get these the the bottles? Mm-hmm. Uh, the bottles are actually made in Chicago, um, and they get shipped over here. But uh, um, yeah, as you know, they're recycle they're, they're they're refillable. So we wash them and refill them over and over and over again.
2: And as a consumer, buying a Danzeizen, uh glass jar, I just bring it back to the grocery store when I'm done, or do I have to bring it back down to the dairy for recycling?
0: You can bring it back to the store, and every every store has the capability of doing, doing it right at the checkout, so you don't have to go to customer service or anything. But anywhere our milk is sold, uh, you can bring the bottles back.
3: And you guys do have a good return with the bottles. The fun thing that I like to say, though, is that there's a lot missing on the return because— a lot of our families are taking them and turning them into part of their decor, yeah. especially if they have this country swag going on in their house.
0: Yeah, and like, like you said earlier, there's probably uh, quite a few in people's garages out there, too. But uh,
2: Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure our one-quart eggnog from Christmas has a couple flowers in it over the top of the cabinets. Exactly.
3: <laughs> I know I've got my Dan Zeisen bottles there, so... All right, now that this
2: is just one dairy, though, you represent one of how many dairies in Arizona?
3: We're just under one hundred, and uh, those are all family owned. They might be incorporated, but we're around, hover around that eighty to ninety to a hundred commercial dairies here in the state of Arizona that are family owned. And how many cows will I find at a dairy? So this is a fun story. I'll tell it real fast. Are they range from? Maybe one of our smallest dairies is just under a thousand all the way up to ten to fourteen thousand head in it, so we have large dairies but and compared to the Midwest, even our smallest dairy is pretty large because in the midwest the dairies are quite a bit smaller
0: any idea why
3: Kevin, I think you should answer that question
0: <laughs> well I like my grandpa came here and he he never he never really got never started small right I mean compared to what uh the Midwest was like, those dairies started way back, sometimes even in the in the 30s, 20s, 30s, and 40s, where the, we're kind of more modern here. the guy, Those those people moved here and started with 500 or 600 and just grew from there. So I think that's, that's one of the biggest, biggest things. And just to be out west in general, not just in Arizona, but as people move this way, uh, you know, we just got more efficient. Um, we can make milk for quite a bit cheaper with more cows. And
2: we got lots of flat land.
0: Yeah,
3: we do. And Kevin, you said something too. Uh, just because of the heat, how efficient our dairy farmers have had to become. Yeah, expound on that a little bit.
0: Well, I, i've always I've always said this, and I and I don't want to say it just because I'm one of them, but I think uh, <laughs> the Arizona dairy farmer here in Arizona, we're lucky because I I really, I know most of them, and to be honest with you they're 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 one of the smartest group of farmers you can dairy farmers as a group you can be because we have this heat to manage and it's a lot of management you got to be really really it's we're using technology more and more to cool these cows um, and you just have to be on your management game to keep to, to, to stay in business and keep it going because the fluctuations are so much. So I maintain that still uh, as long as I'm still part of it, I guess. But there's a lot better dairy farmers out there than me.
2: And most of those 100 dairy farms, Maricopa, Pinal, uh, pretty much down in the flats. You don't see a lot up in the mountains or uh, high country.
0: No, a lot of that has to do with feed. You know, we, we feed a lot of alfalfa hay here. and we're, we're lucky to have some the best alfalfa hay grown in the world right here and uh so once you get further up it's kind of hard to tr- your transportation
2: tr- costs yeah. start to rise there was one outside of congress uh at the base of yarnell hill that I, I think last time i drove that last couple times it seems like that place is shut down
0: yeah it's been shut down for a while 2009 was a really rough time for the dairy industry and uh and uh, he shut down in that time period mm.
2: that's a big big vacant lot still just sitting there
0: yeah it's he has the same issue it's just hard to get feed all the way up in there because there's no farm ground
2: Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense Uh, why you see miles and miles of ag and then a big old feedlot dairy farm right in the middle yeah what else other than alfalfa are you feeding
0: your herd well here in arizona we feed a lot of uh corn silage you'll see corn being grown right now Uh, that gets harvested here in the beginning of july um but we also feed, we're, we're using, uh, our, our farm specifically uses a lot of sorghum silage. Um, BMR is a uh, brown midridge is, is a big thing here. It uses a little bit less water and it's higher, higher digestible for the cow. Um, and then we, we mix, we mix uh, you know, a cow needs a balanced diet. Um, it's really important to have the right amount of protein, the right amount of energy, the right amount of fiber uh, well, every time a cow takes a bite of feed, you want it to be the exact same. They love consistency. That's what they want. And and so what we do is we take we take that that hay and that sorghum or corn silage, some sort of silage, and we mix uh, grains uh, and we we mix it in these big mixers and we make sure it's 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 nice and consistent. And we feed them in front of the cows two or three times a day. So there's there's all kinds of. Uh, there, we have about uh, thirteen ingredients in our ration right now that gets mixed in
3: and you told me you feed them for health
0: yeah uh we talk about that that's the most important thing so our cows right now average about 10 gallons per cow per day and that seems like a lot and people will be like oh my goodness that's so much milk well the average the the reason that is is because we feed the cow for health and the milk production that comes is a result of health so the healthier the cow is, the more milk they give. So, um, what we're trying to do is we're learning more about nutrition every single day, and uh, we're know exactly what a cow needs when at certain times in her life period. And because of that, we're getting them healthier and healthier, and the milk production comes next.
2: And when you're talking about ten, did you say ten gallons a day or ten pounds a day? Ten, 10, gallon. 10 gallons a day. How long will a good cow keep? keep that rate
0: going (laughs) well so in a perfect world a cow a cow will have a a calf um every year and so you know for five she'll have five to seven calves and so this is in her life in her life and so she'll be seven to nine years old or something like that or five to seven years old by the time um it's all said and done so in a perfect world a cow will have a, a calf, The cow that had a calf today will have a calf this same day next year. And what we do is, as soon as she has a calf, we milk her for three hundred and five days, and then we we give her a resting period from three hundred six days to three hundred sixty five days. So um, th- that's that's what we want. That's what we're striving for in a perfect world. Now every cow's different. They don't get pregnant on time and all that. But uh, that's what we're striving for.
2: So in that perfect situation, you said you milk for three hundred and five days out of the year, and that's at ten gallons on average per day. So you're you're over three thousand gallons per year, and
0: you'll how many years? Five. So why would we say, you know, fifteen to eighteen thousand gallons each cow?
3: So wow. Kevin, I told you that Romy was gonna ask you some figures here, and those are fun figures to learn about. And what's gallon per milk right now? Uh, price per gallon?
0: Well, we get paid on a hundred weight. Um, it's about, right now it's around $14 uh, per hundred weight, and there's 11.52 <laughs> gallons in a hundred going to take through so, the break to finish this. Yeah. I'm just trying
2: to figure out, a, on 15,000 gallons, um, and what 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 does that income equate
0: to well i mean it's hard (laughs) the mathematician here yeah yeah, you've got to it's hard (laughs) to say because milk put prices fluctuate like crazy Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so it's that's the that's the name of the game but what, what what part you're not thinking about there is how much it costs to feed those girls every single day too and and that fluctuates like crazy too so you know hay prices go up and hay prices go down and and so uh it's 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 not always a money making proposition let me tell you
2: <laughs> well i believe it we do our own beef raising uh and i'm every time i've done it i know we we could get it cheaper at the store yeah not a whole lot but at the end of the day when it all comes through and you're done with your Feed and your harvesting and your meat hanging and your butchering and packaging and storing and shrink, all
1: that. I, but it's fun and we enjoy it and it tastes good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like so, the mathematician my son is, and I'm 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 I'm, I'm proudly displaying a Danzieson milk mustache right now. This is I really see. this is really good milk. <laughs> well, and, and you said now, this is how coffee? long ago? How long ago was this in the cow's udder <laughs> That's a funny way of saying
3: it. From
1: Utter to mouth. <laughs> and th- you know what?
2: From well, utter
3: we'll, to utterly delightful <laughs> yeah. experience. Well,
1: well that is a question.
2: How, what's the process from uh, being milked to yeah. the uh, to your table? But we'll we'll have to jump into that right after this. If you see my
1: milk cow, please drive her on home. I ain't had
0: no milk and butter
2: since I can't been gone. That is a topic I do want to talk uh, we will cover later. So well, we're getting 10 gallons of milk per day. How much of that stays as milk? What ends up as butter? What ends up as cheese? What ends up as fill in the blank all these great dairy products that when you go down your refrigerated aisle at the grocery store, you have to choose from. But one of the questions we did have, and Dad had brought it up as we were running short on time there, cow to, cow to table. How does it get there? What does it mean to be pasteurized? How do we go whole milk 1%, 2%, which I've tried before, and I, I just cannot
3: <laughs> – that's not even – You oh. like whole milk, oh, when,
2: when right? Thing. Thing. When, when, <laughs> when
1: you're raised on whole milk, it's hard to go back. Oh. <laughs> and
2: uh, – Car Dairy, uh, I was having a conversation. Was- Kerr Dairy. Kerr Dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill's the dad. Yes, Bill Kerr. He was saying, and this was at the annual Farm Bureau convention in Mesa last year, that it's actually a myth. If you want to go on a diet, drink whole milk because the fat content in the milk will make your brain think you're fuller and you'll eat less food. And the milk, the fat milk compared to fat that you would have in sausages and everything else that you could pile on your omelet. Is, is a fraction of that. So you drink the whole milk and you fill up faster so you eat less food. So it's a better diet plan to drink whole milk. It sure tastes better. <laughs> now that's coming from a dairy farmer. <laughs> exactly.
3: And I'll let Kevin answer most of the questions you asked. But one little thing I always like to point out is 97% of our milk that we get in the grocery store, the gallon of milk that I bought, I may not be getting the Danzeisen label, but most of the time I am. But if I don't get the label, if I just pick up a regular gallon of milk in the grocery store, 97% of that is coming from our local dairy. So all of our milk, the fluid, they call it fluid milk in the industry, is, is local. So you can be assured that you're getting local. And that's one thing I like to stress a lot because we so celebrate local today with our agriculture.
2: Yeah, and I do love that. You know, there's things like we just can't help. Avocados, we're not going to come local, (laughs) right? But that we can do that, and that Arizona does do that for milk. Is like you said, it's it's great that
0: 97% local. Yeah, and where's that three percent creeping in? (laughs) Get that out. Well, I mean, a lot of the organic milk. Obviously, there's Shamrock Organic that's local, but a lot of the organic milk on the shelf is not local. It's from far away. Yeah,
3: and local is more important. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. answer so, one of his questions from the cow. Yeah, from the cow.
0: So, I mean, we can get it to the store shelf with it earlier than forty-eight hours. I mean, sometimes as as quick as twenty-four hours. So, when you get it, come into our creamery at, at four thirty in the morning, there's there's milk in the tank from cows that were milked two, three, four, you know, that night. Um, we start a milking shift at 10 at 10 at night and that milk comes into the creamery and there, there's there's times that that milk is in the store four thirty the next morning and sometimes earlier than that so um what does it go what does it go through between your creamery
1: and the shelf
0: what does it go through between like pasteurized? what exactly oh, does so that the mean? process okay yeah. so like in our creamery First of all, ours is a little bit different because we're smaller. It's we we found all of our equipment. It's, we say we do it the old-fashioned way. It's from the all of our equipment's from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. So we have all kinds of older older equipment. But most milk is, is so you're doing this by stretch. hand. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you're the cool thing my hand? <laughs> the cool thing is is that uh, we have all that equipment from 30s, 40s, and 50s. But we actually I can log in my phone and, and turn stuff on and off. So we have <laughs> automation. So that's kind of cool. Um, but so what we do is you have to, so basically you separate, pasteurize, homogenize, and bottle. And, and separate, separate separation is, is when, how we take the cream away from the skim. So it will go through a separator and we spin it and the, and, the, and the cream will come in one tank and the skim will go into another tank. And, and how we do it, this is the old fashioned way, if we have skim in one tank, and cream in another tank, we can make one percent milk by putting one percent milk back into the skim. Now I have one percent milk, two um, percent, same same thing. And then our whole milk is just uh, it's. We have to standardize it at three point two five. That's three point two five uh, percent uh, fat. So that's how we, that's how we standardize it. Um, from there, we take it and we we run it through a pasteurizer. And I always tell people, you know, there's a big misconception about. Uh, pasteurized milk but all it is is we heat it up to 161 degrees for 15 seconds and bring it right back down so people don't know like on the dairy once a cow a milk comes out of a cow at 101.5 degrees and so we get it down to 38 degrees within seconds on the farm and the big key to for our operation is to keep that milk cold all the way through the process besides that 15 seconds of pasteurization so all we do is bring it up and we bring it right back down and then uh, from there, um, what we is that? Ac- what is that accomplishing? Well,
3: Why do it, we pasteurize?
0: When we pasteurize, what that does is it'll kill anything bad that's in the milk. Um, and, and bad bugs can't survive heat. That's a, that's their kryptonite. They don't. It's not chemicals. It's not anything. It's just heat. They can't survive in a, in a, in a high temperature. Okay. And the higher you go, the longer the shelf life. So there's some. Uh, you know longer shelf life stuff out there they just pasteurize it at a higher temperature that's all it is so um, from there we uh, we bottle it cold too so we, 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 we like I said uh, we like to keep the milk cold all the way through the process that that means on the trucks and all the way to your house so one one you like numbers <laughs> one uh, one uh, cool stat and thing that you to know about milk is 40 degrees is kind of our magic number so if, you, if milk ever gets above 40 degrees, especially after it's pasteurized, so if it gets to 41 degrees, it's one day off its shelf life. If it gets to 42 degrees, it's two, two, two days off its shelf life. So it's really important yep. to keep it uh, cold. When you get it at the store on your way home, don't stop at the banks.
2: This sounds like something to tickle my funny bone, but we better get back to content here. We're joined by Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau and Kevin Dansizen of the Dansizen Dairy. What? And we we're right in the middle of a conversation. We've got to pasteurize. Next is the homogenizing step. And if you've got a question or a comment, you can call in at one 767 4348 or text to four one one nine two three. What does it mean, Kevin, to homogenized
0: milk homogenized is you put the milk under pressure so that the cream won't rise to the top um that's all it is we put it under i think it's i I think it's i I i shouldn't even say a number but um, we put it under pressure. Well, people always say they want their cream to rise to the top until it actually happens. <laughs> you know, and, and we, we, we'll do a non-homogenized milk for people. And they're like, Hey, what's the stuff on the top of my bottle? I, that, well, that's the cream, you know? So, but, so that's we homogenize it for the, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that, that's, that keeps that milk consistent. So that, well, first of all, when we first started, I wasn't going to homogenize milk. I thought, you know, I'm going to do it just like we did, uh, on the, on the farm. And, uh, what happened was I bought a non-homogenized milk that was in the store already, and I had a bowl of Raisin Bran, and I poured it on my Raisin Bran, a big chunk went <laughs> out, and I'm like, oh, we're not going to do that to our customers. So uh, that's that's how that came about. So that that's all homogenization is.
3: Romy, because it's been so fun hearing Kevin and their family's story, just know that if anybody does a search, literally just putting in dairy on azfb.org, up will pop all the profiles over the years that we've done on our Arizona dairy farmers, and their stories are fascinating. You're meeting the family. You get to know how much they care about their own family and their animals, and it's it's really encouraging and neat to read these Arizona farm family stories.
2: And that goes not only to just the dairy farmers, but every rancher that we've had in here. I mean, this is a generational industry for the state. Uh, we were going to bring... Eric Rovi in, but he's off flying airplanes in Alaska for the summer. <laughs> His dad's busy. He's uh he can't come in because he was busy milking, get this, sheep cuz he's got a big production of sheep sheep cheese that they're working on at the Dairyman's Co-op. So he couldn't make it in, but as if I remember right, they are over 120 year in the West Valley uh farm family.
3: Just the Rovies. Yep. And that's a very typical story. We have so many generational f- farm families just in this state alone, that uh, we could spend the next 20 years trying to cover them all and we still wouldn't get every story told. And that's what's special about Arizona agriculture is because we have these generation farms and that's sustainability. And we have some depth, uh, true domain knowledge, as I like to say a lot of times, about our agriculture. And the best person you need to be talking to if you want to hop into agriculture is the Dan Zizen families about dairy or the Kers or the Robies? If you want to learn about cattle ranching, you should talk to the small houses or some of my other ranch families. So it's it's really neat to know this depth of knowledge is coming out of our Arizona agriculture environment.
2: And I've got a question here from a texter. What is this I just drank, this coffee? This is very good.
0: It's, it's it's our cold brew coffee. It's just three ingredients, cold brew coffee, our milk, and, and sugar. Yeah, it's...
2: Well, I will...
3: It's uh, very good. I'm sipping on it, too.
2: And I'm going to take that... Uh, I'm going to pick up some chocolate milk, because my youngest one has suddenly discovered chocolate milk. <laughs> but I was watching her make it the other day, and she would take a glass of milk, and then she would take just, like, the chocolate you would put over ice cream, like Hershey's... I'm like, oh... I'm bringing you some dan and milk home <laughs> to show you what real chocolate milk is supposed to taste like.
0: <laughs> yeah. She, once uh, once I go glass, I never go back. That's what we always say. So,
2: <laughs> Well, this texture wants to know, what other flavors uh, do you all have, and are you coming out with anything new? Because there are a variety of different products, uh, milk products, that you all make.
0: Yeah. So we have the whole all the way to skim, um, 0% fat. We do chocolate and strawberry. um, uh, strawberries starting to become a lot more popular um, I bet. and and then we do um, uh, the coffee that we talked about but we also do some crazy flavors we do a root beer uh, it tastes like a root beer float um, that's starting to become a lot more popular and then we do an orange too we call it Arizona orange it tastes like a cream sickle uh, we actually uh, are going to launch um, juices this this month in June we're gonna uh, I know it's national Dairy Month, and we're doing. We're going to start juice, but there's a juicery here in Tempe, and they they just squeeze oranges. And we're going to bring in trucks and 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 have orange juice. And we're doing a lemonade and a strawberry lemonade. The lemonades are kind of cool. It's just straight straight uh, lemon juice, and then we actually take Sedona water, and we're mixing it with the or, with the lemonade and uh, above or a,
2: below Slide Rock.
0: I don't know. I just know it's from <laughs> Sedona. <laughs>
3: What the fun thing that too is when we posted yesterday that you were going to be on the show on our Friends of Arizona Farm Bureau Facebook page. The entire conversation was about your flavors and what each customer's favorite flavor mm. was.
0: Yeah, and everybody has a different different preference. A different favorite.
3: Yeah. One of the ones that posted was his favorite was root beer. So
0: we also do milkshakes at the Chase Field at, at the, with the Diamondbacks. So we do make an ice cream mix for specifically for them.
2: And and Christmas time, you'll make eggnog.
0: Yes, eggnog. Uh, that's a real popular one. Um, this year, we're going to come out with a new um, new flavor. It's gonna, we're going to have a peppermint eggnog also, along with our, oh, our yes. traditional eggnog. So we're working on a pumpkin spice too, but I don't, we just haven't had that perfected yet. But the peppermint eggnog is really good.
3: And I love eggnog, and I've enjoyed your eggnog flavor now f- for what I think you've done it for at least two years. Uh, maybe one three years three years from the very beginning Mm -hmm. okay
1: well i would put in a vote for whole buttermilk i don't know why i can't buy whole buttermilk (laughs) in arizona i fly to new orleans and i got two things on my mind a dozen raw oysters and a quart of whole buttermilk
0: <laughs> Not together I hope.
1: I have the buttermilk <laughs> first. Okay. All right.
0: I mean there's got to be some Dixie beer involved in this. Oh
1: man. If I would post my recipe, I have to make my own whole buttermilk in my on my kitchen counter shelf. And I promise you, Kevin, if I posted my buttermilk Sunday morning buttermilk biscuit recipe, you could sell every ounce of whole buttermilk that you could make
0: well let's work on it let's do it you're not the only one requesting it so we yeah can, yeah we can we can we're, we're working on a bunch of stuff right now i mean we, we've we been we've been uh this is a, we're on our fourth year so like three and a half years i got to tell you when we first started we invested a bunch of our own money in this creamery and we didn't have any stores that we were selling into. Is the dumbest business plan i I mean, it's so dumb if you think about it. Because the milk's coming off the line. We're like, well, now where are we going to sell? It? Well, fast forward, we're in about 370 stores now. Well, that's awesome. So if we can develop a, a a whole buttermilk, we can get it out there real quick.
1: The end of my every day is a glass of whole buttermilk just at room temperature. That's how my day. That's how I celebrate the end of my day.
0: That's pretty good.
3: So we'll put out a poll on Facebook, and we'll say who wants buttermilk, and Let's then do we'll it. look to the Dan Zeisens to develop it.
0: There we go. Let's do it. That's what we're all about.
3: And in fact, you guys should post. Anybody listening, let us know if you want buttermilk,
0: or anything else,
3: or anything else, any other flavors, because they, you guys are real serious on how you develop these flavors.
0: Yeah, uh, it was, they're not random. It's kind of an interesting story how the, the, the flavors. I we kind of knew what we wanted to do, but it's a funny story. When we first got started i i i was making it in my wife's kitchen I, I i had like some the sugar and the flavoring and i was trying to make different ones and i finally get something that i liked and i forgot what i put in <laughs> so i'd have the cocoa there and all that and like oh now, now i forget what the, how many ounces of this and this and that so there's a really really good ice cream shop in levine called scoop tacular's name's Nandy. And after cleaning up my mess in my kitchen, I went straight over to his ice cream shop. I go, Nandy, you got to help me, man. This, you have the best <laughs> ice cream in the world. You got to help this poor dairy farmer trying to figure this out. So these are the ones that I, these are the one, these are the flavors I want. And and we worked real hand in hand with that little ice cream shop, and he helped us develop the flavors to a tee. And it's been a really cool relationship ever since.
3: Do you have one flavor that is ending up being the most popular currently, or does it fluctuate?
0: Um, Chocolate by far is 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 our is our big one. And oh, I forgot to say that coffee milk right now is actually going to be on sale in, in the fry stores this this uh, this this month right now. So okay, I just this I got to say things as I remember it. Otherwise, I forget.
2: <laughs> I I understand that. <laughs> so we've got it now, basically pressurized, homogenized. Goes to the store after that
0: point. Yeah, we'll store it in our, our coolers, and then uh, as the orders come in, it goes straight out.
2: Who puts the expiration or sell by date on there? Is that the dairy? Is that the grocery
0: store? No, we do it. Uh, we do tests. So every, we, ours is actually twenty four days from the time it's bottled. Um, a lot of times, it'll last as your long sell as it stays by or expire. That's expired date. Um,
2: and I mean, is it really expired? I I've, more than once, and morning comes along. You're in a hurry. You pick it up. And you're like, "Oh, that was three days ago." And you open the top. You're like, ah, "Smells fine." <laughs>
0: That's actually the most accurate test is the smell test. To be honest with you, because it's all about temperature. Again, if you if it gets above forty degrees at any time, and it's 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 probably not going to be there. But if it stays below forty and even like thirty eight, you're you're going to get sometimes a week or two weeks past that date.
2: Okay, so it's put on by the. By the dairy, and it's up for about twenty-four days after per, after it's been homogenized.
0: That's what our tests show. Yep,
2: and the smell test is a good test. It's the best one. All right. Good. And
3: for the UDA co-op, they're the ones that put that on there too. Correct.
0: On the, which one?
3: The sell-by date.
0: Yeah. Every individual. So every individual handler or producer has okay. their own has their own date that they, it's not really mandated by the state. It's well for us. We don't want ever. We don't want anybody to open a up a bottle and have a bad experience. So we're, we're motivated to make sure. Yeah, yeah. We're really conservative.
3: Put a conservative date. And the only reason I mention UDA or the United Dairymen of Arizona is that's a co op that's owned by our dairy farmers here in the state of Arizona. And even though you do your own bottling for your branded, you still supply a lot of your milk to the co op, correct? Yeah.
0: The co op's a great, uh, has been a great. Uh, uh, resource and, and and we're a great partner with UDA. They they're the they they they're the hand. They, so anything that we need, we bring into our our facility, and then anything else gets sold to their channel. So um, they've been a great supporter, and most of dairymen in Arizona are a part of it.
2: Right. And this co-op are they the ones that then separate it and they're who's making the cheese? Who's making the butter? Who's making the cottage cheese? The philadelphia cream cheese is is that all being done by or do they separate it and they say okay we've got to this much milk over here for this this quantity to fill that order for the cheese maker
0: that the second is so i i consider well uda united dairymen has a powder plant and so anything that doesn't come through those orders to the cheese makers and stuff goes to that's the, our primary product at uda is powder uh, Arizona cheese is over there too but that's kind of a smaller deal but the powder is a big thing but they're just I consider UDA a broker. And
3: so. UDA also does their own cheese curds. Yes, they do Arizona. those. So you can get local cheese curds and they actually sell them at their Milk and More store right there like right in front of the plant, you know. So
0: Broadway and Hardy.
3: Yeah, Broadway and Hardy. So that, but so it in
0: Costco. I, th- I think those cheese curds are in Costco and some other spots. In fact, you can at our creamery store, Dan's Island Creamery Store, we have those cheese curds. So
3: How
2: many uh gallons of milk does it take to make a pound of
0: cheese? I think it's 10 to 1. So 10 pounds of well, 10 pounds of milk will make 1 pound. Now well, it depends on the protein levels and stuff like that. Like Jerseys is a little bit more efficient than a Holstein cow cuz it's higher butterfat and protein content.
2: And what would they do with the whey, the leftover um, because that that ten gallons, you know, you, you add your, I, I cannot remember the name of of what you add, but it it makes the curds happen, and I mean it, it's quick, and all that leftover, uh, what what's called the whey, and it's, some people say they drink it, it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least goat whey is. I've never made uh, I've, I've never made cow cheese, but the goat cheese we used to make, man, that is horrible.
3: I use a whey protein. <laughs> Why don't you take the curds out? <laughs> I use a whey protein. That's very popular today.
0: Yeah, there's all kinds of new products coming out with that whey. I mean, they're, a lot, they're, they're working on drying it. They make dry whey, powder whey, and that goes into, like, protein drinks and stuff like that. So I'm not real. That's not what we do. So
2: You're not the cheese side. No. You're the dairy, the milk, the cream. Yeah. Well, when we get back, we've got the final thing. What do you do with... uh? managing the other side of the cow. You have a lot you put in the front end of it for its nutrition, and there's a lot you get out of the middle and the udders. What what happens to the end product that comes out the back? <laughs> well,
0: yeah.
1: I keep drinking malted milk Trying to drive my blues
3: away I come for the music. <laughs> Gary does a good job with that.
0: Uh, trying to drive my any malted milk in the future how does that work <laughs> <laughs> that's a good <laughs> question I don't, I, I don't know anything about that to be honest with you <laughs> now
2: what was it uh, April we had Hickman's in talking about eggs it was close to Easter and one of the final points to the life cycle of the chicken farming and raising they produce a lot of chicken waste too and they turn that into the farm's choice fertilizer is there a uh cow manure has a ton of potential for composting and becoming good growing soil do you all uh just take tractors and push it out in big piles or what, what happens to the other side of the uh production there
0: yeah we at dan's eyes and we we partner with some dairies down the road and we uh we we compost it all, so um, my dad likes to say we're trying to make money out of one uh, end or the other, so, um, but <clears throat> he's a teacher for 25 years, so he's got jokes like that coming up, you know, um, it's not just dad jokes anymore, it's teacher dad jokes, you know, so, no, we we, we bring it all into a spot here in, in town and we, we compost it. A lot of it goes to uh, Yuma for uh, vegetable farming and stuff like that, so. Um, it's a high source of nitrogen, potassium, um, and uh, uh, phosphorus. So uh, it's a real good supplement. So
2: what's the process? How long does that take? Now uh, You're getting milk onto the shelf in 48 hours. Are you getting compost to the <laughs> the vegetable farmers that quick?
0: So it, it takes about 90 days. That's our shortest one. And... After it's stable, it can be stored for a, long, for, for a lot longer than that. So we bring it in. We have to make sure we have the carbon and nitrogen, carbon ratio right. And then um, we get that up to 130, I think it's 136 degrees for a certain amount of time. And we have thermometers in, in the rows. And we monitor and keep track of it, making sure that it's, it's the right temperature. It can't get too hot and it can't get too, but it has to be the right temperature to keep going, so it can't get too low either. So we add water, we have these dig turners that turn it and get it going again. Um, uh, it's a pretty cool process. The other thing it does is it reduces it by about 50%. So, uh, it, it, it's a good process. If you, I always say, if you fly over Arizona and you fly into Sky Harbor and you look at the ground and especially if you come from the Midwest, the Midwest is that dark, dark soil. You can just tell just by looking at the soil, it needs something, something that has some, some air to it, you know, and, uh, and that compost is a really good supplement for the soil here in the Valley.
3: We actually don't have our level of organic matter in our Arizona soil, at least here in the Valley, certainly, is so much less than what we see in the Midwest. And part of it is because the sun. We love the sun because we're planting and harvesting, you know, 365 days out of the year, 12 months a year here in Arizona. But the sun also brutalizes the organic matter in the soil. So compost, like what the Dan Zizons are doing and stuff, is... Makes a big difference.
0: And it's really cool uh, product for overseeding your lawn. Like when you put the overseed on, a lot of people like to put steer manure or something on. But the, the compost manure is a lot a little bit more stable, and the heat kills the weed seeds in it. So you're not going to get the weed seeds like you do sometimes. And you know, it works really good.
2: And that's what we used to overseed our lawn last time we stopped down by the dairy. Help me out here. You're off of?
0: We're like Southern and 59th Avenue. That's where the creamery's at
2: and you can anyone can just walk into the creamery y'all do
0: have refrigerated product right there yeah yep yeah. Well, uh, we're open 8 to 6 Monday through Friday and 8 to 4 on Saturday and we're closed on Sunday
2: and y'all do sell that manure there and we we used it to overseed last time it was uh what, what was the y'all's product name on it just Dan's Heisen? It, we just did
0: composted manure yeah that's all we, yeah it's just uh yeah, we the the company that we we formed together with the is uh, called Diversified Organics is the name of the the company that the dairies down the road formed with us. So, it's organic. Oh, it's <laughs> organic. There ain't no doubt about that.
3: As so organic as you can get. Now,
0: one
2: final texture wants to know about uh, milk, banana flavored milk.
0: We get a lot of we get a lot of requests for that too. Really? Yeah, we we've actually worked on it a little bit, but it's not to our liking yet.
2: And they want to know, do you have plans of ever making ice cream?
0: Yes, we are uh, uh, in the process. Well, we we, we already make milkshakes for for Chase Field. That's 100% Dan's Eisen product, and uh, coming soon.
2: Julie, how would somebody support the Farm Bureau?
3: Go to azfb.org and also fill your plate or our websites, but join us. Uh, if you're an associate member, you want to support farmers like Kevin and his family. It's $59 a year, so it's very economical. And it
2: comes with a lot of discount-saving coupons. Huge
3: benefits. Uh, you can pay for that annual membership in one benefit purchase.